0: Once you get your Bible out, turn to Acts, the book of Acts. It's after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you're going to be going to chapter 3. Um, we are, so again, the book of Acts, a little over three-quarters of the way through the Bible, after the four names of Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and john want to say mook uh combine those but it's the book of acts and it's really the acts of the apostles and so what what this is is jesus um, comes god sends his son jesus to the earth and uh he begins to walk with us he begins to teach he brings he gathers his disciples and really begins to teach them but more in an apprenticeship way of saying hey Here's where i'm going would you join me would you walk with me and i'm gonna kind of show you some things we've talked about it many times but uh it's so relevant because we get caught in the same thing And that's that the disciples, they were looking for Jesus to come and conquer the Romans. They were looking for Jesus to deal with their political problems and to shift things to go the way they wanted it to go. Jesus kept having to remind them, that is not why I'm here. I am here to love on people. I'm here to bring the kingdom of heaven, but not in the kingdom mindset that you think of. And he was going to bring salvation, but not salvation because he overthrew a government or he amassed the greatest, the largest army or anything like that. But he was going to bring salvation through his own suffering in his own sacrifice that there would now be a new connection between God, the father and you and I we will be taking communion at the end of the service, even in a response to that. We do that in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus made he dies three days later comes back to life reappears to the disciples they're totally shocked even though they had heard the story was going to happen still shocked as you and i would have been as well he continues teaching them continues reminding them about the purpose of the kingdom of heaven he tells them to stay in jerusalem that he's about to leave again for the last time and uh that to stay in jerusalem for the power of holy spirit to come upon him not for them to grow the biggest muscles, not for them again to build the greatest army, but for them to then go into all the world and do what Jesus did, but to do it to a greater measure throughout the world and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, of forgiveness that God is calling each one of us to return to him as his daughters and his sons. So they do that, they wait in Jerusalem, They wait there and the Holy Spirit comes upon them as they stepped out in obedience and waited. If you're like me, I hate waiting. Is there anybody here that you just feel like one of your spiritual gifts is patience? Like you just feel like you love waiting. You love being stuck in traffic. You love when your plane gets delayed. You love when it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. It's not a a natural thing for us, but they waited and they waited And they were blessed by the presence of God coming upon them. But they didn't just receive the power of Holy Spirit so that they could get goosebumps. They didn't just receive power of Holy Spirit so that they could Instagram the story. Or so that they could get a t-shirt and say, I was there in the upper room. They didn't just experience that power so that they could then walk around 30 years later and talk about the good old days when the Holy Spirit came to the upper room and how powerful it was. And you guys don't know what it was like. I mean, this is okay. But 30 years ago, when the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room, that was something powerful. No, they received the power of Holy Spirit so they could go out in power, walking it out and doing what Jesus did. Had already shown them because they couldn't do it in their own strength or their own power they needed the power of Holy Spirit because it wasn't just about can I pray for Matt yeah I can put my hand on Matt's knee and pray for healing all day long and we can try a whole bunch of mind over matter things and hoping that somehow we get it right but healing is only gonna come to Matt's knee through the power of Jesus Christ intervening in his knee. Your knee's okay, right? Hoping this wasn't like a prophetic act. But so they stepped out in the authority of what Jesus had led them in now with the power of Holy Spirit, and they began to go out and to put these things to practice. So here we're gonna be reading, we're gonna be looking at Acts chapter three, chapter four and chapter five. We're not gonna read the whole thing, but I would encourage you this week to take time to read it and then reread it and then reread it and reread it a couple times and see what God shows you, not just so you learn a story, not just so you memorize a story so you can tell a story, but so that you can pull things out. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to see in this story? How do you want to impact me? What do you want to change in the way I'm thinking? What we're going to see here is Peter and John go, and there's a, 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 a crippled man, and, and he's calling out for help, and they pray for him, and, and he gets healed. And people are amazed by it, and so Peter sees an opportunity, and so he begins to talk about who Jesus was. Now, we're only a little bit of time. We're only a couple weeks away from when Jesus was crucified. It's not like it's been, you know, a whole generation has passed and maybe some people, I mean, we're still right there in town. It's only a couple weeks have gone by. So everybody is fully aware of what this is that's taking place. But he's saying, you know, that man you guys crucified, here's who he was. And he's also saying, it's not by the power that's in me, it's the power of Jesus. Well, some of the religious leaders see him, they confront him, they throw him in jail. Um, they they want to know by what power. Uh, Peter then rece- sees an opportunity to not just say, we're sorry, yeah, I know we shouldn't have done it. But he also wasn't arrogant. We don't see him, oh, you got, he, no, again, declares who Jesus was. He declares the gospel in that way. They were also amazed at how simple the disciples were. Um, usually that's not a compliment if uh, you know I told Mike Barth I'm like you're just so simple he'd be like "Hmm, okay I mean I guess I'll take that as a good thing but I don't know Uh, but you know what what it was was that God truly wants to use ordinary people but he wants to do extraordinary things through us because it's his power working through us it's his power working through even our Our deficiencies and where we're not strong he reveals himself to be strong so they're told okay they're they're scared there's gonna be a riot if they do anything so they say you know what you guys just go but let's just make a quick deal you're not gonna say anything you're not gonna talk about this Jesus anymore and um, you're you're not gonna do this and and Peter kind of challenges it and says well I don't know what to do, but I'm uh, not quite sure who I should be obeying. But I think we're going to obey God. If he leads us to talk, we're going to talk. But they still let them go and do that. And instantly they return um, and begin to pray with, with the other believers. And in that, they're praying for boldness. They're praying for miracles. And another amazing thing happens. As they finish praying, the power of Holy Spirit falls on the room. Now it's not just the, 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 the same group of disciples that are there. They have now added, there are around 5,000 um, believers at that time. Holy, the power of Holy Spirit again falls upon them. Again, not just so they could say that they encountered the great second outpouring of Holy Spirit of all time. So that they could uh, uh, have pictures of what it was like. But they received the power so they could go out as ambassadors to their neighborhoods, to their families, to their schools, to their workplaces, to their cities, and represent Jesus there. Another time, they begin sharing all their possessions. People start selling, selling property, they're, they're, they're led by God, realizing that it's not just what can they accumulate for themselves for their own financial security, but looking at the blessings of what God has given them And seeing it as a resource that he didn't just give it to them for their own benefit, but he gave it to them to help others. Says that at that time, there was none of the believers that were in need. Not because they happened to come across the most wealthy group of people. And those are the people who got saved. Everybody that had everything they needed. But because they cared for one another. They, 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 They gave to the church and the church distributed to those in need. And they blessed that then there was two people the story ananias and Sapphira, who they they sold their property and the issue wasn't that they didn't give all the money the issue was that they lied and said they did give all the money when they didn't and some kind of weird things took place with them uh so they continued ministry and signs and wonders they get arrested again they get thrown in jail god unlocks the the prison doors they they get they come back out they instantly start preaching again so they get called before the council the guards go to get them they're not in the jail but all the guards are there the doors are are locked and they just happen to not be there they go find them one more time they're still preaching they get called in and now uh, the leaders are trying to figure out what do we do and one guy says hey hold up i i got i got something i don't think we should kill them um, because it might start a riot and all these different things. What if we just kind of ignore them because most of the time when when other people have risen up and they've had a plan, they they just kind of, well, I think this is a very mean way of saying it, but some of you guys, I've heard you use these terms before, they kind of peter out, okay? Um, (laughs) Personally, I take offense to that. But but they so they decide to, to let them go, but before they do, they're gonna flog them. They leave there, and as we close in chapter five, we're gonna see that they end praising God that they would be counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. So, Father, I just ask that as we go through these chapters, we go through this portion of scripture. God, that we wouldn't just be reading a textbook, that we wouldn't just be reading a historical account, that we wouldn't be reading a fable, but Lord, that we would see this as your words. We would see these words as living, meaning that they do tell a story, but it's also a story you want to write in us, and it's a story you want to play out even here and now. So God, let the wonder come alive in us. Let the curiosity come alive in us. But Lord, also let us open ourselves up to say, what do you want to change in me? That we would all, every single one of us here, regardless of the reason why we came in the doors today, that we would walk out the doors different than we walked in. And different in the way that we would look and sound and act more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So we're looking at this, not just because this would be uh, just because we want to, well, we're a church, we need to read the Bible, so let's just pick uh, a book of the Bible to read. But really kind of looking at what, how did God plant the early church? And I think it's something for us to look at what does God want to do in us as a church? What is he trying to awaken in us? He wants to come and pour out his spirit on each one of us. Again, not so that we can just say we were there the day that he poured out his spirit on us, but so that as we go, we walk in his power, we walk in his authority. Not so we're puffed up, but so that we can humbly bring glory to his name. So we're talking about kingdom versus culture, kingdom being the kingdom of heaven, Culture being just the way we think. As I said last week, culture, that's not the us versus them. Culture isn't out there. Culture's really big right in here. Culture is counter to the kingdom of heaven. And I have a natural magnetic pull that pulls me away from the way the kingdom of heaven thinks. I will tell you that my natural pull is to keep all my money to myself. My natural pull is to stay comfortable. My natural pull is for things to, is to not, um, uh, uh, can't think of the word, um, inconvenience myself by having to slow down and help others. My natural pull isn't to step out and be uncomfortable and maybe pray for someone or, or because I'm embarrassed of what might happen. My natural pull isn't to declare an expectation and declare in faith what I think God wants to do because, well, what if it doesn't happen? But the kingdom of heaven pulls us to something else. And the two words I kind of wanted to look at as we go through this is the fame and the adversity. What is it? What do we do when fame comes when people look at us and want to give us glory and also what do we do when adversity comes chapter 3 verse 1 says Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service there were three different times of the day that they would go to the temple and pray and so this is the afternoon time as they approached the temple a man lame from birth was being carried in each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. People would a lot of times give money because there was other uh, 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 people of faith walking in. And so it would kind of look good if, if, you know, I gave a little money while you guys were all walking in. I could be kind of proud of myself that, yeah, I'm, I'm helping the needy around me. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. I think Peter was saying like, look at us. Do you think we look like we have anything? But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk man. what faith you know I keep saying man I I just I have prayed for people and I've seen healings and I've also seen a lot of things not take place but man I want I hope us as a church we continue to pray in faith not in ignorance and not in trying to get our own glory or for our own reputation or so we can be a destination but because we want to see the power of God move That when someone cries out for something, we can say, I don't have that, but what I do have, I will give you freely because freely I received it and freely I want to give it. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at him eagerly expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began walking. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. How many people uh, went to Sunday school? Any Sunday schoolers? Did anybody here do walking and leaping and praising God? Walking and leaping and praising God. name of Jesus Christ (laughs) Uh, okay good how many of you are thankful you didn't go to Sunday school now okay verse 12 so now people have seen this they're amazed by it because they've all seen this person it's not like "Ah, I wonder if was that guy really was he really sick he just spent years and years begging, couldn't walk, always having to be carried. So Peter saw, it's in verse 12 says, Peter saw his opportunity, addressed a crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us, though we had made this man walk by our own power and godliness? So right there, fame. When people look at us because God ends up using us, what do we do? Who do we give the credit to? Now, a lot of times we can say, you know, something happens and so we just do a quick, no, all glory to God. It's all Him, praise to Him. There's a difference between just doing a quick point upwards versus then declaring, this is not me. This is the power of Jesus Christ. And he goes into then explaining to these people who, who have heard of Jesus, they saw him walking around, they, they heard of what he had done, and he reminds them that this man that was crucified, here's what he did, but his power is still in us. And they go and they continue to explain it. They then end up talking about all the prophets and what they had prophesied, because here they are at the temple, These people of the Jewish faith, they know the stories. They know what the prophets had said. So what is Peter doing? He's bringing it together for them. And saying, what you know in your mind, what you've been taught, it has actually taken place. And the power of God is here and now. If you go to the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. Okay, how many of you like dad jokes? Well, you know what? The only thing that beats a dad joke is a Christian dad joke. (laughs) And I'm gonna give you a real gold mine right here. But I'm gonna totally ruin it. But no, I was always told that the reason the Sadducees were so angry is because they're sad, you see. huh? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, back to the Bible. <laughs> Verse 2, these leaders were very disturbed by Peter and John for teaching the people that through, that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled around 5,000. Because of the way they counted back then, that was actually 5,000 men. It didn't include women and children. So the number was much higher. Then the next day they get called in. If we go to verse 8, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. What was he filled with? Holy so we've got to ask ourselves, what are we filled with? When we begin to share, what are we filled with? Now, sometimes we can think, well, I don't want to share because I'm not filled. I don't think that is the moral of the story. That we get out of things because we forgot to go to church the Sunday before. I believe it's more of an attitude. And it's more in that moment, what are you tapping into? Are you tapping into yourself? Are you tapping into your own knowledge? Are you tapping into your own experiences? Or are you tapping into who God says you are are you tapping into his power and that even though you might feel insecure you might feel drained you might not even feel very hopeful your faith might be down a little bit that even though that he can still work through you that's being filled with the holy spirit he said to them rulers and elders of the people are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man do you want to know how he was healed. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Cornerstone was in masonry terms, it's, it's the stone that's at the corner that everything builds off of. How many master Lego builders are out there? Anybody here you think, come on, raise your hand high, be proud of it. I, I was very proud in my Lego days that my Lego structures really weren't gonna come down. But they didn't come because a lot of people that, a lot of my friends, they just, weren't building in the power of the holy spirit so they would build one wall at a time so all you had to do is flick it and you know the wall whole wall would come down but when you you have something you start from a corner and you build out and then they get interconnected there's strength in that this analogy that jesus christ is the cornerstone that the church and everything is built off of he's the anchor point he's the beginning of that There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So here he is taking this opportunity to re-declare who God is. To give God glory. To say who God is. Here in verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So they could see that there was a simplicity, but it almost caused them, they they had to wonder, how is it though that they're doing these things? Why is that important? Because I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand at this because I know the answer. But how many of us think that we're simple? Or, well, I haven't been trained in that. I I don't, I haven't memorized enough or I haven't been taught enough. It's not about that. Those things can be good. They can be good tools. But at the end of the day, what matters is are you surrendered to Jesus? You know, if you're going through something difficult, so I do chaplaincy work. But I know that if you had a loved one die or something tragic happened to you, you wouldn't, when a person came to the door, ask them, for their credentials of whether or not they've been trained in how to have compassion. What you're looking for is someone to sit next to you and to listen, just to be present. At that time, you really don't care whether or not they have a PhD in compassion, or whether they have uh, done an internship in kindness and listening skills. In that moment, you just want someone so that you're not alone, someone who would just sit and be there, In the same way, Jesus is just looking for someone to say, here I am, send me. He just wants us to be willing and to be able. And then our part is in obedience is to step out and then trust that as we step out, by the power of Holy Spirit, he will lead and guide us. Man, I believe that this week, every single one of us are going to be given. I know. I know. That every single one of us this week are going to be given opportunities to testify to God's goodness. But are we going to be looking for them? Are we going to take, maybe clear out some of the clutter in our life to where we can even be aware of them? Where we silence some of the static and some of the distractions? When we see them, are we going to Almost like Moses did when, the, when God was speaking to him, saying, I want you to go rescue my people. Are we going to sit there and argue with God why we're not qualified? Or are we going to come to a place and say, Lord, man, I really, <laughs> you got me nervous. That seems scary. But here I am. Send me. God, I'm going to trust that you'll give me the words to say. I know that many of you, as we sometimes have people raise their hands to, to receive prayer and then say, hey, if you're around someone, pray for them. I've heard stories of where you didn't even know what you were going to pray, but as you just open your mouth, all of a sudden God begins to give you something. Anybody here ever experienced that? But it's nervous because I want God to give it to me first so that then I can pray for Edgar in confidence and boldness. But that's not what God wants me to do. He wants me to step out in faith and trust him. And just begin to start with. Lord, I pray for Edgar. But you know what? As we do that, his heart starts to come to us and we start to step out in it. So we don't need to wait for the whole package. He just wants us to step out in faith. So again, later on they, get, um, they gather and they pray and they're praying for courage. But you know what? When adversity came, they didn't run from it. They also didn't so much pray for the adversity to leave and saying that, well, when adversity leaves, then that's when God will stand up for you. What they prayed for is God, when adversity comes, Give me the courage to continue moving forward Lord when it's difficult give me the courage in the boldness to keep moving forward God when I'm scared and I feel inadequate give me the courage in the boldness to keep moving forward Lord when everybody is mocking me give me the courage in the boldness to continue moving forward. In chapter 4, verse 29, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. Like I said, they went through, I'm going to skip over a couple parts, they, they, they gave of their possessions because they saw that it was bigger than them. And those things tie together that it's bigger than us and our qualifications. It's bigger than us than our comfort. It's bigger than us than our possessions. It's bigger than us in our confidence because it's for the kingdom of God. How many kids you're here and you're coming on your last week of school? Okay. How many of you are excited about that? (laughs) How many parents, but especially mothers, are just ready to pull your hair out of the last week of school and just the craziness of it? You know, kids, I want to tell you that you, God wants to work through you in your schools. Some of you might be moving from elementary to middle school or middle school to high school, or this might be your last week in high school. But God wants to use you. He wants to speak through you. You're not too young. There is no age limit for God to give you words to pray over someone. There maybe was another student that God has caused you to notice time and time again, and you've never introduced yourself. Don't say, well, maybe it's too late. We're already coming up to the last week. Tomorrow's your day. Go meet them. Talk to them, and then see what God opens up. Adults, it's the same for us in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families, to be willing to be stretched. All right. Well, don't lie to God and lie to the church. Don't tell God that you're giving him something and you don't give him or he's going to strike you dead. Okay. So that's the moral of the story with Ananias and Spires. Um... (laughs) It wasn't the issue that they didn't give all the money. The issue was that they lied about it. And even then when asked, kept up with their lie. And so it's just a bad idea. Don't recommend it. Um, Moving down to chapter 5, verse 14. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. It's amazing how in adversity it doesn't shut things down. But God gets glorified. Crowds of both men and women... As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats. It says, so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them. As they went by, crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Again, they get arrested. God lets them out of jail, they start preaching again, they get arrested, they go before the council, they get flogged, they're released, and then in verse 40, the others accepted his advice, and they called in the apostles, this is where they're telling them uh, that they get to go, and had them flogged, then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing. Man, what an attitude shift, though. If you think about it, what would our attitude be if we're thrown in jail? It's our third time being thrown in jail in a matter of a couple days for sharing our faith. And here they decide instead of killing us, they're just going to flog us. But they leave not shaking their fists at the guards. Not cursing them and saying, oh, you just wait till the end comes. You're going to punish. Not, not getting dramatic like that. But they leave rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. ushers will you come put the elements on the tables I don't want them to trip over this here's how this relates to you and I one I believe we need to get back to reading scripture and I believe that scripture needs to not just be something that we read periodically as part of our devotions Or something that we we try to open our Bible and read a couple lines so that we feel good about ourselves and say a quick prayer so we feel like we're doing the Christian thing but that we begin to read Scripture and believe that there's actually power in it that we don't come to church to hear an entertaining message we don't come to church just to to see people or or to feel emotions but we come To be in the presence of God. We come to pray for one another. To encourage one another. We come to take communion together. As a community. We come to open up scripture. And let scripture talk to us. Man the power is in the word of God. There's authority in the word of God. But that we also open ourselves up. And say Lord what are you saying to me. I'm sorry to the streaming people I get yelled at every week because there's a camera that's supposed to follow me and I guess I was never good at football I never had good moves but somehow I can always juke out the camera and I go like this and then it goes that way and I'm moving here and so they always tell me I need to stay still so I'm just gonna be on this black box right here and obey my and obey their commands. Guys, I think God is up to something. He's up to something, but it's not just something for us to experience. It's something that he wants to do in us and something he wants to do through us. And it's individually, but it's also collectively. And he's not looking for superstars. He's looking for women and men, young and old, married and single, those with infirmities, those that can jump 30 feet in the, in the air. It doesn't matter. He's looking for, for what would be seen as a lot of people with a lot of money or little resources. That's not the thing. He wants people that say, here I am, send me. Lord, I recognize what you did on that cross. I don't want to take it for granted. I realize the change you want to make in me and I realize that it's the power of the cross in me that I can then walk out and bless others but he wants to send us out wherever he has placed you it's not by accident he has you where you live for a reason he has you working where you are for a reason You can talk to him about shifting that reason next week, okay? But for now, it is where you are. So let's look at it and say, Lord, God, here we are. Change us. Let us be like the early church where we would be obedient and wait for you. And God, that then we would go out in boldness, not arrogance. We would go out in boldness and courage to proclaim who you are. Telling the story of what you've done, what you've done for us in our life. Will you stand to your feet if you're able? We're going to play a song. Believe it or not, it's called Send Me. I know, real shocker. The ushers are going to release you row by row. And then we're going to take the elements. Actually, we're not going to take them together. After you get them, just go back to your seat and you take them. It's a commitment between you and God. What I ask though is that you ask the Lord, that you recommit into the Lord. These are what these elements stand for. And God, I want to receive those, the truth of the gospel. I want to receive the truth of your sacrifice. And that it is in the power of that sacrifice that I'm able to go and represent you. And so, Lord, as I leave this building today and I go about my week, Lord, let me represent you. Let me not be led by my mind in my own confidence, but, Lord, let me be led by your power. And that through me, Lord, that you would bless others, that you would minister to others. So, again, we're going to listen to this song. Ushers will release you row by row. You get the cracker. You get the juice. You come back to your seat. And you have your own moment of whatever it is, whatever commitment you wanna make to God as you go into this week, of how he's gonna work through you.